For more than 96% of New Zealanders, the telephone is a given, an essential part of life, like shelter, clean running water and power. It's a work tool, often a lifesaver, a way to keep in touch, and at times something many wish they could escape, hiding behind voicemail or just not answering. Figures from Statistics New Zealand show that for the last quarter of last year, 86.2% of households also had a mobile phone. They are fast becoming something people cannot do without, especially children. The next most important communication tools are computers and the internet. In acknowledgement of the central role of information technology, a Digital Future Summit gets underway in Auckland this week. For two days, chief executives, business and community leaders will discuss the growing importance of the internet and computers. But some New Zealanders live without telephones, not to mention the slew of technical conveniences a connection offers. Henry Kelsell is 63 and was born in Samoa. Most of the islands are in Sataru, in the sugarcane, banana. He lives in Pamua on Auckland's Tamaki River, one of a cluster of poor suburbs that are home to a big Pacific population. Mr Kelsell's lived in the same house for 20 years plus without a landline telephone. Just uh, I can't afford the phones and uh, mostly uh, when my kids was young they say uh, I try to survive for school and everything. It's a bit too much for us to pay for the phones and the, and the powers and mostly for the young ones for the school education and uh, mostly some food for us. And that's why I never think about to get the phones in our family. Mr Kelsell brought up three children without a phone, making it tough at times to stay in touch with extended family members and friends. The kids are all growing up now and they uh, never been on the house, been on the phone. How did you manage without a phone if you needed to get in touch with someone? Oh, mostly my sisters in Pakwadanga Chin and, uh, and my, my niece Nicole and, and Lena. They always come around and uh, helping us out for everything. Because they want to contact us for whatever things happen. And uh, we haven't got a phone. So you have to send some of the kids who are to talk to us. And that's the only way we have to uh, connect with uh, my, my sister in Pakurang. Mr Kelsell's youngest, Eric, is 17 and ironically began a polytechnic computing course after leaving school. That didn't suit him and he's now working full-time at an upmarket Belgian bar in Mission Bay and is sitting his city and guilds chef exams. Eric Kelsell says it was not easy growing up without a phone. Yeah, it was hard, you know, embarrassing. <laughs> you know, like, going to your neighbours, asking if you can use the phone. But I yeah. guess they would have seen also that, that you wouldn't have been asking them to use the phone for anything other than a good reason. Yeah, yeah emergencies or that stuff, taxis. What sort of emergencies have you had to ask your neighbours to use the phone for? Oh well, this house got burnt down so we had to use the next neighbour's house for the phone. And that's how this, this house got saved. <laughs> but he wasn't the only one at Tamaki Primary School from a home without a phone. At one stage half his class was in the same situation. If you don't have a phone when you're growing up, how do you stay in touch with your friends and your mates and all of that? What do you do? You know? uh, just basically go to school. <laughs> Next day you go see, do the same thing over and over again. So if you wanted to get in touch with people when you were growing up and you didn't have a phone, how would you do that? Uh, well, probably at school tell them they will meet up after. 
Same spot. Meet there. Play around. Eric Kelsall says there was shame attached to not having a phone at home, but that was shared by others. And while many of his friends are now using the internet, he avoids it so as not to waste money. Camille Nakid, a sociologist and senior lecturer at the Auckland University of Technology, says those driving the digital summit and its views of how wealth is created and communities connect probably don't know many people without a phone. Dr Nakid believes too much emphasis is being placed on computers and the internet. Everyone is trying to close the gap. Having the internet doesn't close the gap. It maybe just stops it from widening even further. Why do we believe that it is so? Because... By and large, it's, it's considered yet another Western creation intervention from a Western perception of we brought you on yet another technological masterpiece, another technological invention. Here it is. She says technology alone won't help the section of the population falling behind on key measures like health, income and educational outcomes. The Pacific populations would, even if ever you gave everyone a computer, they still don't have those networks out there. They still don't have the sort of what they call that, that capital, cultural capital they have in, in schools. The teachers may still look at one group in a certain way. One group may still be favored in terms of, of how they are seen. So giving you having access to the Internet is only one of the ways of trying to to achieve equity. It, it's it's multi-layered. It can't be as simple as let's give you the internet and your educational achievement rates will increase, your academic performance will increase. I do not think it it could ever be that simple. Dr. Nakid says Pacific students are as technologically capable as any when they have access to computers. In agreement is Hamish Crooks, chairman of the Matangi E-Trust, which is a community development agency. He says with IT, the Pacific population is just starting a little further back than other New Zealanders. You've got to break the fears, and so you have to educate them in a way that they understand, but also that it's... For me, it's a little bit um, practical. Practical is probably my most key word, really. So using old journeys, you know, like Vaka journeys and how they built technology in those days, which is way ahead of its time, and relate that to modern technology. So in today's climate, it may be to get a job to do a four-course now. So four-course, you need to learn how to operate buttons, technology and four-coists now. You can relate to it. And, and say, like for ministers, how do you download a sermon? How do you take that sermon and then put it into a PowerPoint? But in fact, most of them don't use PowerPoints and half of them probably not even on internet. So it's a way of trying to get them something practical in their everyday life and then relate it to the technology. Mr Crooks says the Pacific population is in catch-up mode and not just with IT. For Camille Nakid, other issues are at play. Pacific population, certainly I do not think they are lacking in the ability to use a computer. They know how to use a computer. They know how to access, have access to the internet. So why is it that things, some things have not changed as much as we would like? And it cannot be because they do not have access to the internet. Certainly their use of the internet is less than the total population. We know that.
But even if they, was, they were still to have the same amount of access to the internet as um, the mainstream population, there's still other factors that need to be changed. Dr. Nikid says she often prints out the assignments by her Pacific students who have computer access but no printer. Dr. Nikid says what's needed is more practical education and career training so Pacific parents can earn better wages and avoid the stress from persistent money worries which often affects their children's education. Many Pacific Islanders, whose average wages are among the country's lowest, are familiar with having the phone cut off, often because families have trouble paying high toll bills. Contrast that with other families, more often than not European and Asian, where many homes are being kitted out with wireless networks, laptops and toll calls might be made using Skype, a cheap internet-based phone system. Lynn Kayu from the Otara Citizens Advice Bureau is blunt. She says people can live without a telephone, and the same applies to computers connected to the internet via the phone line. A telephone is not a necessity of life, or it's not a basic essential thing. You need to have four walls, you need to have a house to live in, and you need to have electricity, and you need to have running water. Those are the essential things, and I don't think a telephone is an essential item but it is a very large part of household debt. Mrs Kaiu deals regularly with people in financial strife over phone bills, particularly huge bills for toll calls to the Pacific Islands because charges are often higher. And now Mrs Kaiu says there is increased pressure on families to get computers and be connected to the internet, which adds to costs. If someone bombards you continuously, with um, information, pamphlets, etc., news items on TV, you must have a computer or you're not doing the best for your children's education. You know, you get bombarded with it and after a while you start thinking, well, am I doing enough to encourage my children and support them in their education if I don't get a computer? And lots of our clients here go out and get a computer for the household without even thinking, hey, in a few months' time, am I still going to be able to afford to pay the payments on this? And they want the latest edition of everything. They want the latest thing with all the whistles and bells on it, which when you, when you get a computer, apart from establishing do I need one or not, uh, what am I going to use it for, and then you get a computer that just does what you are going to use it for. Because all this other stuff you get advertised to you now has got stuff that people in business use. The average ordinary household's never going to use half the stuff that's on it. Mrs. Kayu says more Pacific Islanders should make use of public internet services, like those at the Otara Public Library, some 20 metres from her office. She says that might save people the financial heartache of trying to pay for computers they can't afford. Many homes in Otara are computerless, a stark contrast to the national average pointing to 71.6% of homes having at least one computer in them. Figures from Statistics New Zealand show that 36% of Pacific Islanders have internet, compared with 64% for Europeans and 76% for Asians. That means free computers, such as those at the public library, are in hot demand. Bevis Hansen is the Otara Children's Librarian and says the computers are used all day, with the young people coming in as soon as school finishes. They tend to do, like to do their homework and flick backwards and forwards between Bebo, homework and games. You know. If you try and pin them down to actually just doing homework, it's, it's, it sort of works, but um, a lot of the time they like to flick around, try different things. Do, do three things at once.
Celestine is at the library every day to use the computers. She does her homework, plus plays on the social networking site Bebo, where she places pictures of her family and friends, chats and downloads music videos. I just come here to do my homework on the internet over here. But I come here sometimes to be on Bebo sometimes, yeah. How much time would you spend on Bebo a week? Um, probably like three hours a day, two hours a day. <laughs> yeah, pretty much that amount of time. But then again, that's the amount of time that everyone spends on Bebo, pretty much, yeah. When did you first use a computer? Um, when I first came to New Zealand, I guess. From? Samoa. How long ago was that? Um, five years ago. Celestine's mother brings her before beginning her overnight shift as a mail sorter. Because make sure she's doing her homework. Most of the kids' uh, parents never believe them. They just come to the library and play and talk to their friends. And she likes playing on Bebo. What do you think of that? Oh, I won't allow her to do that. Not at home. And she no. said she'd like the internet at home, but you said no. No, because I, I work night shift, so I can't believe it. So that's why I want to bring her over here in the library. Yeah, make sure she do her homework. Mr Hansen says what happens in the school holidays is of greater concern. And in the holidays, they're here at half past seven, waiting. So they're here an hour and a half before we open, tapping on the windows. Please let us in, please let us in. And do they stay all day? Yes. We have them here. Um, we have children on the holidays that are here from 9 o'clock and on the Friday night they'll be there till 7 at night. Just playing on the computer? Just playing on the computers. Do they go out for lunch or oh, a break? Hop out for some food maybe or ask you to, <laughs> to borrow a dollar off you for some food. Or There's all sorts of issues come up over a time. I don't know when they go home for dinner sometimes. I think, well, haven't you got a home? But they just spend all their time here. Mr Hanson says Otara's Pacific population has many problems and he worries about the time some children spend on the computers. In this area there are um, literacy issues and um, I don't know if it's computers. Are, I mean to become computer literate is one thing but there's a lot of other literacy issues that I worry about. I mean the fact that they can't spell their name and their address at 14 years of age is a bit of a worry. How do you find that kind of information? They have now? to fill the forms in for the, for the, to join the library. They really want to go onto the computers, they have to join. Um, we, we get them all set up to join and then we realise that the reason they've been hesitant to join is they actually can't spell their names or their addresses. But are computers plus internet access able to alleviate problems of literacy, particularly in young Pacific Islanders? The City of Manukau Education Trust says its research shows computers have a huge influence and if funding was available, would put computers in all preschool education centres. You're listening to Kororo Point England coming to you from Auckland, New Zealand. Point England School in Glen Innes is about 10 minutes walk from where Henry Kelsall lives without a landline. There are only four European students on the roll and the school has been pushing IT through the curriculum for more than 10 years. As part of a literacy programme, students produce regular podcasts or internet broadcasts available through the iTunes website in the United States. The school describes the podcast programme as sneaky learning because students who take part must first read a book and summarise to the teacher's satisfaction. Next, they write a script that relates the book to current events before creating a programme that involves working with another student who acts as a host.
Calvin and Leoma were students without computers at home, plus had low literacy before they were offered a chance to podcast. Calvin and then Leoma explain how they create their programs. It might take us a whole day or a whole week because we would have to start from the beginning and read the book and then write the plot down, then give the plot to Mrs. Burke and then she checks us up and then when she thinks it's good and then she'll write, help us write down the script and then we just, we just practice it lots of times and if we think that it's, we're starting to get good at it, and then we just come in here, or with the podcasters, and then we come here and record. And what about you? Do you think it's fun? Is it a good way to learn a book? Yep. And it's just that so people can hear us from around the world. Like, we get people from China, America, and all different places. Their teacher, Sandy Langitupu, says the children are so keen to work with the computers, they forget they are learning. By the time they move up to the senior school, they're using a um, larger variety of um, different applications and tools. And so they're used to it. By the time they get to the senior school, they're you know blogging, making movies, they're um, you know doing animations. They're yeah. So Ms. Langi Tupu says Point England School has a very good relationship with its parents, and many drop in or ring to see how the pupils are going if they don't have a computer for email access. That's a far cry from how teachers contacted Henry Kelsall over his children. Mostly uh, when my kids are young and then they go to school, they, uh, there's something wrong with school. The teachers, they always come around talk to me. Why else? They, uh, they, they, they give the kids some letter and the, the kids, they bring the letter. So I had to go and see them if they want, they need me. And that's the only way we had to, uh, if the, the school want to see me, they put a, give the letter to uh, one of my kids and then I... I had to go and see them in the next morning, next day. That's how we are. Uh, because I haven't got a phone. But some older Pacific Islanders, particularly women, who already face disadvantages because of their lack of skills, are now learning more about computers. Winisei Maliapur came to New Zealand from Tonga four years ago with her family and is six weeks into a computer course at the Pacifica Education Centre in Auckland. I stay home, I, I'm lonely, doing cleaning, and I want to go out from house. That's why I look for that course. And I want to go and learn about the computer, because I know how to type, but I did not know how to use the computer. That's why I want to go and, and learn about the computer. It's a really, really good course. I learned some more things about the computer. On the first time, I did not understand how to use the computer. But now, I really know how to, to use the computer. Mrs Malio Poor and her five classmates began the course with no PC skills. None had touched a computer and were fearful of breaking the technology. The course began with identifying computer parts, such as the keyboard, screen and mouse, and early lessons were simple tasks, like using the spacebar to move an icon. Mrs Maliopo also had to get over what has emerged as a big issue with many Pacific Islanders in her situation, touching the computer mouse with its deep-seated connotations of filth. Because the mouse, you know, it's in Tonga, in the island, is uh, uh, red, it's like a little... 
yeah, little animal, and it look like yak for the people, but that's maybe that they did not want to touch that thing. It's called mouse because they think to the to the animal, to the little one. It's it's look like ugly, <laughs> and we try to kill them every time. It's they. <laughs> The mouse issue is not simple and far from tiny, says Hamish Crooks, the chairman of Auckland's Matangi E Trust. Mr Crooks says they discovered the problem by chance. Just by accident. People talking about it, you get them down to a computer desk and you know, doing the technology thing. You talk about it and they go, ooh, mouse. And in fact, even when I was with some ministers, doing some training with some uh, Pacific Island ministers, they joked about it. They started swinging the mouse. That was at that point that I realised that even though we use these common words, they have a different perspective on them. And so you, you just change the terminology just to suit them so they get used to it. And say, well, what else would you call it, Papa? Or what else would you call it? Well, what does it do? He says, well, you know, you move it around to show you things. And they go, oh, so does it, oh, yeah, it's got a pointy arrow. <laughs> so, you know, we came up with a pointer was a bit more safe or something like that. Their relationship to a mouse, a real mouse. So they have all of those sorts of laughter and jokes about mouses. Men were a little bit different from women, though. That's why we got into that. And that's just to make it user-friendly. Now Mrs Maliopor has dealt with her mouse fear, she's hoping to join the workforce after completing some advanced courses. I tried to be a reception to just sit on a computer, answer the phone to the computer, thing like that. But no matter how good Mrs Maliopo's skills may be on course completion, her ethnicity remains a barrier as she faces finding work in an environment which favours the young. Ethnicity is a barrier facing all Pacific people looking for work, not just those who are upskilling in IT or who are older, says Camille Nakid. She says the racial barriers are based on her experience with AUT graduates. When our students graduate from here, first group of students who get jobs will be the Pakeha students. Their networks are already established. When they go for interviews, when they go for jobs, the people that are interviewing them are most likely people of their background. And that makes a difference. They know there's a familiarity. And I suppose like everybody else, you're more comfortable with people similar to you. Dr Nakid says there's a more measurable imbalance in other areas, including the number of Pacific people online. Tony Boyt is the senior analyst at Nielsen Online, which measures internet use and traffic. First of all, we know that within the national population that Pacific Islanders make up uh, close to 7%, but if we look at the internet users in New Zealand, then um, our figures are showing us that they come in at 2.7%. So um, their proportions are quite low when you look at the uh, national demographic for internet users. In contrast to that, um, if we look at um, New Zealanders of European descent who make up 63% of the population, they make up 69% of the uh, internet population. So um, there is obviously a, a fair difference there. Mr Boyd says further analysis points out the differences, with more Pacific Islanders going to sites about hip-hop music and car modification. As far as overall numbers are concerned, you'll still find that Pacific Islanders are going to the same kind of websites that overall New Zealanders are. Um, but their numbers will be down partly because of the population size, partly because there's less Pacific Islanders um, going online than, um, than people of European background. 
but I'm, I'm certainly interested by some of those bigger figures from, say, for example, that Kiwi Bank and um, Extra and Sky City and, and sites like that are doing really well as far as attracting Pacific Islanders. Mr Boyd says the numbers present policymakers with huge problems because figures show the only government website Pacific Islanders visit is the Ministry of Pacific Island Affairs. This comes as agencies like Inland Revenue or banks offer more services online. If you've got a population of nearly 7% of the population and, um, and then we look at the internet population and it's 2.7%, then that's a, a, a big gap. And that's something that really, you know, if, we, if we're thinking that the internet is a media tool that's going to grow pretty substantially, we believe it's going to grow pretty substantially, especially as uh, broadband becomes more prevalent, then really my thoughts would be that, that is, as a statistician, is that that would need to, that would need to grow. Others who will eventually chase jobs are the young students at the Martin Houtis Institute in Onihunga, taking computer courses after being expelled from mainstream education. Susanna Sanonu, at 19, is the stage two computing class leader and wants to run a hotel. I have to gain some more qualifications to get to where I want to be. Could you not do that at school? Um, no, I left at an early age. I had to go and work. So, yeah. Where were you working? Um, I was working as a kitchen hand at one of the, where my mum works. Yeah, so I had to support my family. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I'm working right now and studying doing this. Ms Sanonu says more of the students would love home computers, but many have other responsibilities, just like her. Some students in the class that have computers at home and have the internet on at home. Would you like that at home? Um, yeah, if I had the money. But you're working, so you could, could put it on, or, yeah. or does your money go to other... Th what do you do with your money? Um, I save, yeah. And you're supporting your family too? Yes, so and I have a, a, a two-year-old son. Ms Sanonu realises it will take more than a certificate for her to find work as a single Pacific Island woman with a child who has to help support her extended family. Henry Kelsall was recently given a mobile by a friend who rings him on it to organise fishing trips and work from time to time. His son Eric explains his father is unlikely to ever use it to call. No, because he doesn't really know how to use the phone. <laughs> So it's probably no use. Because he Waste chooses not to or he doesn't want to? Probably because he doesn't want to and chooses not to. Henry Kelsall, to many, might seem an aberration, especially to those championing the government's digital strategy at a conference later this week. And while Mr Kelsall does not buy items over the internet, text message his friends or access information online, Perhaps in his own way, he is as connected as he needs to be. Cucumbers and some watermelons would be nice for the summertime. 